This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The spate of gun violence in our city is continuing unabated. Another two people were shot and killed and multiple people were wounded by gunfire this weekend in the GTA. More than 25 people have been shot in Toronto in the past 10 days, a number increased by a particularly violent long weekend between the 2nd and the 4th of August when 17 people were shot. Now, On Friday, Police Chief Mark Saunders revealed that 326 people charged with firearms offenses are free on bail. Both he and Mayor John Tory are calling on the courts to toughen bail conditions to keep gang members off the street. So what do you think of that? Is that a good suggestion? Numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. With me in studio, criminal defense lawyer Stephen Fishbane, who has more than 30 years of experience representing clients charged with serious crimes, including firearms and gang-related offenses. And on the line, counselor and deputy mayor Stephen Holliday. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being with us. Good afternoon, Libby. Hi, Libby. Hi, Stephen. Hi. Okay, let's start with Stephen. And uh, what do you think of this idea that bail conditions have to be toughened? Well, I, I think it's uh, it's misplaced because the fact of the matter is, the reality is in the courts, that bail for firearms offenses is already quite difficult to obtain. I know that the police chief released a statistic of 326 people being released, but you have to take that in context. The context is there are hundreds of thousands of charges in Toronto every year, and thousands and thousands of people are released. So this is really a very small percentage of the overall amount. How many of these charges would be on the go at any given time? Like if if you're taking a Friday snapshot in time, it would be 326 out of how many? Oh, I couldn't say the exact amount, but literally hundreds of thousands of charges. Out over of a year. Over a year, yeah. But, but you know, not on Friday. <laughs> no, not, not on any given particular day. So just to let your, your uh, listeners know, so when a person is charged with a firearms offense, that is already what we call a reverse onus charge. Normally, when a person is charged with a crime, it's the government's responsibility to show that they should be kept in custody. But for firearms offenses, there's a special part of the law that says, no, it's up to the accused person to show why he should be released. It's much harder. The, I think the main point is the idea that there are people who are already out on bail for firearms offenses who then get rearrested for firearms offenses is minuscule. That that total is not available. There are no statistics in police Saunders' statements, in John Tory's statements, and that's the key st- statistic in order to justify all these headlines that people are out on two bails for guns. Uh, Stephen Holliday, what do you think of what you just heard? 
Well, I, I do appreciate Stephen's expertise on this. He's, he's obviously a very experienced person uh, that you know has worked in the system and worked with these people. But I think what the mayor and the police chief are really tapping into is public sentiment and concern on what we see before us. You know, there's the political system is different than the judiciary system, but I, I believe that they're conceptually tied together. And what we are seeing is the conflict between how people feel about how the accused need to be treated or the severity of penalties and a whole bunch of gradations of sentiment, and then how they perceive the judges to be acting and, and judges being lighter on people uh, than, than many feel they should be. And I think at the end of the day, I think citizens are concerned that the thugs that are running around there doing really bad stuff with guns are not scared. They're not ashamed of being caught. They're not ashamed of going through the court system. And, uh, and, and they're making really, really bad choices uh, without thinking about the consequences. And, and many people feel the consequences aren't enough. And this is just one other way of which the consequences could be made harder. Yes. And Stephen, I've, I've heard of, you know, there was a mandatory minimum for a gun offense, but judges didn't think that was fair. Right. Well, that's because we're very lucky to live in a democracy. We have a charter of rights and freedoms, which protects all of us, not just people who are charged with offenses. And, um, you know, we have our, our Supreme Court of Canada interpreted the Charter of Rights to indicate that those minimum sentences were unconstitutional. I can tell you from my personal experience in my practice, those mandatory minimums might have looked good on a political stage, but in real terms, they ruined many, many lives. The lives of accused people, the lives of their families, their children, they were a disaster. Um, I think I think Councillor Holliday has really hit it on the uh, the head, though, when he says that there's a, d a distinction between public sentiment and the courts. And I, you know, I can't say who's responsible for that, but it's certainly understandable that people would be concerned about public safety. Uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm not just a defense lawyer. I'm also a member of this community. I have three children. I want to live in a safe community and I want my family to be safe. But what I want with regard to gun violence and safety is I want real solutions not political show dressing, which is what we're getting from the politicians. For, for instance, John Tory says, oh, there shouldn't be any bail at all for people who have a history of gun violence, or there shouldn't be any bail at all for people who are out on bail for guns. Look, it's already very hard for those people to get bail, but you never know what the circumstances are going to be. What if a person with a past criminal record is charged and there's a very weak case against that person, almost no evidence. Should he be detained in custody for one or two years until his trial? That's I, not fair either. I've, I've, I've also heard an explanation that with, with a lot of these people, if they are involved in gangs, they're carrying a gun because they're afraid of getting shot by a rival gang. I think that's probably true. I think that once you, once Gangs are very often involved in trafficking of drugs. Once you're in the drug trafficking world, you have to protect your turf. You have to protect yourself. That's why people in gangs want guns. So, on, you know, on a short-term basis, that's the problem. But we need both a short-term solution and a long-term solution. And the Maybe problem I'm is... At a point in there, and I, I think it's important that we talk about this, and, 
you know, part of the sentiment that I've experienced speaking to people, and I'm sure many of us have had around the dinner table, is is this willingness to explore the concept of you know, a, a summarial a summarial penalty. You know, the same thing happens when uh, someone is pulled over for speeding uh, and they're doing, you know, over 50 over the limit. Their car is impounded on the spot, uh, their license is suspended, and then things are sorted out in the courts later. And that's because the threshold of, of figuring out uh, what they did is pretty compelling at that point in time. It's pretty obvious when somebody has been speeding that badly. The same thing, you know, come, occurs to me about uh, some of these gun offenses. You know, people do a lot of bad things and mistakes in their life, but, you know, it is a really big error in judgment to take a gun, put it in your pocket or in your waist belt, and then leave your home with it. And if you get caught with that gun, I think a lot of people are starting to think, you know, can we treat these people the same way that we treat those I- extreme speeders where it's very obvious about the offense? It's, uh, you know, other crimes where things need to work their way through the courts. You've got to go through all the proof uh, and then deal with the sentence. You know, this is a little bit more cut and dry. And at the end of the day, I think it is the criminals need to fear that if they are caught with these weapons, that there is a real penalty that means a lot. And maybe they'll change their choice or change their life. Well, you know, the the obvious difference there is, of course, is taking somebody's car. You're not taking their freedom. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, Councillor Holliday, a lot of people would agree with you. Let's hear from Gerald and Maxwell. Hi, Gerald. Gerald, are you there? Yes, I am. Go I'm ahead. Sorry for the way I'm talking. I had to do a lot of yelling a couple of days ago, and I'm a bit hoarse. Okay. Go ahead. Now, I disagree strongly with Stephen. You're expert. Okay, go ahead. In, in the studio. Okay. He said it's very difficult to get bail for a gun offense. No, it's not. All you have to do is go into the courtroom and say, I have children, and out you go. Okay, we'll test that with Stephen. Thanks for that, Gerald. Is there any truth to that in your experience? No, in my experience, that's not the case. I mean, what a what a justice of the peace does, or sometimes a judge when they're having a bail hearing, they're required to listen to all the circumstances. So that includes hearing all of the allegations. They're, they're always advised about the background of the accused person, which includes his criminal record, and they include the recommendations of the police. But they're also required to hear about the strength of the Crown's case and whether there are weaknesses in that case and what the plan is for available for release. I think your listeners may be surprised to know that in my experience, the vast majority of people who are charged with gun offenses and who are released are released under house arrest. They are not roaming the streets like it's alleged in the headlines of the newspapers today and yesterday, most of them are on house arrest being closely monitored by family members or other sureties who are making sure that the court's uh, conditions are being uh, monitored. Okay, Uh, we're going to have to take a break in a sec, but before we go, I I just want to ask, what do you think of Councillor Holliday's suggestion that there's a mandatory whatever because if you're saying if they're they aren't they aren't on the streets anyway what, what why is there a problem with that a mandatory no bail 
for yeah. people charged with gun offenses is manifestly unconstitutional. It, there's no way it could possibly survive a challenge in the court. And that's not because the courts are twisted or warped. It's because we're living in a democracy, and in a democracy, one of the key cornerstones is the presumption of innocence. That's what separates us from Russia and China. Yeah, but if you're caught red-handed with a gun... Sure, that's the easy example, right? You're caught red-handed with a gun. Well, what about if you're driving a car with five people in it, and there's a, a gun found in the back seat underneath where three other people were sitting? Do you, the police were very often charge everybody in the car. So what about those people? It might be that some people had no idea that there was a gun in. Should, they, should their lives be completely destroyed, wait for two years until the trial? In custody? That's not fair either. The lines are filled up, and we're going to go to Paul in Milton, who, Paul, you're fuming. Okay, just give me one second. I have to pull over, and then we talk. Just give me one, absolutely one second. I just, I just... Uh, Paul, be well, very careful. Don't break any laws on the way to this guy yeah. to the side. Who says, okay, we have democracy, okay, and in Russia, if something different will be in Russia. Yes, in Russia, if someone will be caught, they will just put him in jail. And we don't talk about democracy. Remember that guy in Singapore a couple of years ago who spray painted a car? The President Clinton tried to get him out of social lashes he deserved. Poor guy. Next time I can guarantee you he will take the spray can and he wouldn't spray the, the cars like we are, have those guys here. Send him here. Guy is caught with a gun. Why are we talking about democracy? What has democracy to do with this? He's caught with a gun. Boom. Put him in jail. So the rest would know before we go with the gun, five years in prison. Okay. Uh, okay. okay, Paul, uh, you're a little hard to understand and we don't want you to break any laws and get a big ticket. So uh, thanks for your call. Just uh, people, by the way, the note here said, Paul said, Stephen Fishbane should let these people stay in his home. <laughs> no room. No room at my end. I know the feeling, but, if, you know, if I, it's just, Libby, it's a prime example of, you know, what people are feeling. They're very frustrated. Politicians know, and I think, you know, everyone really knows this is a complicated issue, and there's a lot of moving parts to it. But one of them is definitely the judicial system and how people feel about it. Uh, again, I'll say again, Stephen's got way more experience than, than I could ever dream of, uh, you know, with the system and, and knowing how it works. And I, I really uh, appreciate his inputs here. But at the same token, we've got to know uh, people feel very strongly about this. And with Stephen's great example of, you know, what happens if a, with a car that's pulled over and a gun is found uh, and, you know, you can't say who it was. Do you lock up all five people? Maybe not. But I wonder if the public would be happy if you just seized the car and took that away. And then, you know, the, the onus now goes on the driver to say, well, you're the captain of this car and you you allowed a circumstance where there was a gun there or whether you knew it or not, your car is gone until this is sorted out and it gets locked up in evidence. But again, it goes back to people are looking That's not for a bad the, idea. They're looking for the consequence, something to put some fear back into the criminals to say, if I get caught, something real is going to happen. And uh, I think that is the basic sentiment that people are after, and they, they just don't feel like the criminals are afraid of the courts. Whether that's true or not, I'd, I'll defer to my uh, our guest here, Stephen, to, to talk more about it, his experience, but but something needs to be done, and I don't know what the magic answer is, Libby, but, uh, but people are searching for it. Okay, let's hear from Evie in Toronto. Hi, Evie. Hi. Uh, I'm with the guy that just phoned. Maybe not as... Uh 
straightforward, but I do believe that the the laws, I really believe they actually protect the criminal they more do. than um, the, the, the person that has been done, you know, harm. I, I can't, I think that if someone is found with a gun or, you know, kills somebody or uses a gun or you know it, yeah, right to jail. Right to jail for like maybe, yeah, well, you won't agree with this, but yeah, let's say 15 years. Criminals aren't afraid. They don't care about the laws. They don't care. They don't have any fear of what will happen. That's not going to stop them from doing what they do. Our our laws are so lax right now in that respect. It's it's awful. That's what I think. Okay, Evie, I'm I'm going to let... Stephen Fishbane respond to that. You know, I completely understand where Evie and Paul are coming from. They're very frustrated. All of the headlines and the the newspapers and the and the radio and the and the TV are just screaming that you're not safe. You're not safe. You're not safe. But um, I'm I'm here to tell you that that's not really accurate. And the courts are I, not. I, I I just want to interrupt. A, a lot of us say I don't think Toronto is unsafe. Most of this happens in certain areas. I think people who are unfortunate enough, who are good law-abiding citizens and live in those places, they're not safe. But, but you know, the rest of us down here? Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, go no, ahead. I, I agree. And I think, you know, I think that uh, uh, Councillor Holiday and Chief Saunders as well, they, they've been very balanced in the way they've approached this. They said this is not just a one-issue Think it's not just about bail; it's a multi-part problem. And Chief Saunders said in his press conference, "You can't arrest your way out of this problem." If I can say the the difficulty that we've got is that politicians are making political statements because they they can see as far as the next election. They have what I call political myopia. They want to say things that they are going to resound with people who are afraid who are in fear because of all the headlines. But do they want to address what Chief Saunders knows, what Mayor Tory knows, what Councillor Holiday knows, are the underlying long-term generational problems that cause alienation of our youth. Employment, education, uh, community uh, investment. I mean, uh, Doug Ford just canceled $16 million worth of investment in community services in Toronto. And now he's going to start, you can see, before the next election, he'll be screaming for more police and more jails. He'll throw hundreds of millions of dollars at that political balloon. But will he work to really solve the problem of alienation of youth in this community so that youth won't feel like they have to turn to these kind of alternative ways of life? We've had a lot of these programs and you know, some of them work to some degree with some people, but but I don't think that's not the whole answer either, Councillor Holiday. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a fair point in there, but what one thing that I won't do, and I don't think the majority of the public will do, will let a criminal blame everyone else for 
the situation that they're in. At the end of the day, it was their choices that brought them somewhere. Had they had a difficult life and had maybe the st- the, the chips stacked against them that got them there, perhaps, and as a society, can we do things to uh, make their chances better throughout? Absolutely. But there was a time long ago, I think, um, maybe before even my time, that you know it was a shameful thing to have been caught with a gun or to do something. And, and something has changed now. And I'm not saying it's glamorous to be a criminal, but there just seems to be this softer or more acceptance. And I think that's what's really bothering people. And as a politician, uh, I have to do my job. I need to put pressure out there and to uh, make some types of statements that make the signal that it's not okay with what we've got today. Um, I've got to do my part as a city councillor, but also, you know, it's my hope that the judiciary will begin to tighten the the lassos again or tighten the nooses a bit tighter if indeed uh, bail conditions have become more loose over time or sentences have become less over time. You know, it all happens over a slow period. Maybe the the point here is that we need to go back in the other direction. And I don't think anything's going to change overnight, but I think we have to make the signal as a society that we want to see some change. Okay, uh, I'm going to take uh, a quick call from William in Mississauga. Hi, William. Hi, how are you today? Fine. You need, need a quick quick comment, please. Okay, quick comment. Uh, uh, it was mentioned that uh, find a gun in a car. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about re- repeat offenders. Is it not possible to make these people dangerous offenders and be similar to those people that... Uh, are in that state not allowed to have bail unless they have complete assurities and that they're checked on on a regular basis or completely held in jail until they go to court, period. And that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see these guys held in court for the second, third, fourth, whatever offense of having a proven to having a gun. Fingerprints or they found the gun on the guy or whatever they they pinned it down to he's the guy that pulled the trigger that's what we're talking about okay william i've got to let you go now thanks uh we are starting to run out of time so councillor holiday what would you like to leave us with on this Uh, just that i think everyone knows from an emotional standpoint from a citizen standpoint People are frustrated. There is no easy answer. It took us a long time to evolve as a society of where we are today, and people are not happy with that. And I think it's going to take a lot of hands on this to try to steer it back into another direction. Um, and, and, you know, people like Stephen will help us as they bring their clients through the system, and they hopefully reform get some of them reformed. We look to the judges. We look to lawmakers. We look to the city council to find solutions in this. Okay. And Stephen Fishbane? All I'll say is that I think the judiciary, um, they do consider the public interest when they're having bail hearings. It's, it's right in the criminal code that they have to do so. But also, we expect from our courts that they're not going to make an emotional decision about something like that. We want our, our, courts, our courts to be rational and to make an intelligent, reasoned decision. And if, if reason dictates that a person can be released on bail without any danger to the community, then they should get bail. Okay. Uh, You know, this conversation is not 
going away. Actually, uh, here's a basic question. I'll just ask you this. Is there some kind of special gang war underway right now? Is, is, Is there a reason that you can pinpoint for this spate? Well, I don't have any inside knowledge, let me, but I can tell you that from what I've heard from gang experts, there's a number of gangs that are uh, uh, existing in the city of Toronto, and at any one time, somebody's always warring with somebody else. That's, that's always going on. Okay. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.